Welcome to the Gospel Addict Podcast. I'm Greg Bryan. And I'm Jim Reske. We're gospel addicts because we believe the gospel of Jesus isn't just good news, it's the best news ever. We're addicted to the gospel because it doesn't just start us out in the Christian life, it is the Christian life. Join us as we look at the Bible through the lens of the gospel. Thanks so much for listening. Well, this this actually ties into chapter three, too, because of their misunderstanding. People were like quitting their jobs. They were becoming idle. They were just maybe we, we were sort of speculating a little bit, but they were expecting Jesus to, Jesus to return. So like if we knew that Jesus is going to return tomorrow, we probably wouldn't go to work like, you know, I'll, or, or Felix, you probably wouldn't go to class. Right. If what if, I if I can interrupt, yes. how I feel about it is that I would be, I would freak out, to be honest with you. Because, like, I would feel like I, if I have to, like, meet meet him tomorrow, I'd be like, am I ready for it or not? Have I done the things that I should have or not? Because I'll be like, you know, it's it would be kind of prepping. We All of us, you know, followers of Christ, we are prepping for an exam for him to come back. And uh, if that day is tomorrow, I'll be like, you know, there are so many things that I should have done and I haven't. I feel like that's how I would feel. But then at the end, you know, as a believer of him, I would also be satisfied that, you know, as long as I have my, as long as I have my faith with me, I think I'll be all right. So it would be like a mix, you know, a barrage of emotions coming through. Yeah, I think we often think if Jesus was to return tomorrow, I would feel so much regret. Like, oh, yeah, I should have talked to this person. Oh, I didn't do this. But the thing is, once Jesus is on the scene, I don't think you can feel regret. I think you just feel joy and awe. And I mean, at that point, it's like, and, and you just feel amazed that you're able to stand in his presence and be with him. For example, we think when we get to heaven, we might be able to feel regret like, oh, I wish I, you know, I should have witnessed more or I should have prayed more or I should have given more money to the church or, but I don't think you've, once you're, once you're in the presence of God, you're not going to feel regret. You're going to, you're going to be overwhelmed with his grace. You might be on your face in worship. But the whole idea that we can experience regret or that I think is is not a, a biblical idea. Well, before we move on to chapter three, anybody else want to make any comments or should we just go right into chapter three? Jim, would you mind reading chapter three? No, sure. Happy to. I'm reading from the New American Standard Version. So this is chapter three. Finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord will spread rapidly and be glorified just as it did also with you. And that we will be rescued from perverse and evil men, for not all have faith. But the Lord is faithful, and he will strengthen and protect you from the evil one. We have confidence in the Lord concerning you, that you are doing and will continue to do what we command. May the Lord direct your hearts into the love of God and into the steadfastness of Christ. Now we command you, brethren, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you keep away from every brother who leads an unruly life. And not according to the tradition which you received from us, for you yourselves know how you ought to follow our example, because we did not act in an undisciplined manner among you, nor did we eat anyone's bread without paying for it. 
but with labor and hardship, we kept working night and day so that we would not be a burden to any of you. Not because we do not have a right to do this, but in order to offer ourselves as a model for you so that you would follow our example. For even when we were with you, we used to give you this order. If anyone is not willing to work, then he is not to eat either. For we hear that some among you are leading an undisciplined life, doing no work at all, but acting like busybodies. Now such persons we command and exhort in the Lord Jesus Christ to work in a quiet fashion and eat their own bread. But as for you, brethren, do not grow weary of doing good. If anyone does not obey our instruction in this letter, take special note of that person and do not associate with him so that he will be put to shame. Yet do not regard him as an enemy, but admonish him as a brother. Man, now may the Lord of peace himself continually grant you peace in every circumstance. The Lord be with you all. I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. And this is a distinguishing mark in every letter. This is the way I write. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Thanks, Jim. It's a kind of cool little letter, you know? I mean, it's short, but he does kind of use these parentheses of like prayer, like in each chapter and kind of reminding them to, to bring the person, you know, when you're feeling persecution, you still have hope and, and, and make sure you make sure you pray and lean on God. And as far as end times, you know, it encourages you to pray. And um, so it seems like a big topic here is, is, the topic of work um jim what what have you what are some of your thoughts on this topic well you know and we talked about a little bit in the a little bit of the podcast before the kind of uh value of work and, and why do we work and the kind of different christian views of work the one view that you know work is kind of um uh work is worthless you know there's no point in work work is uh, if uh, secular work is uh, a point is because it's all going to burn. And uh, the only thing that's going to last is the word and God of, and people. And so, and that was actually uh, a view the church took in the middle ages that uh, the reformation kind of uh, went against because it was like the spiritual work is good, but all this secular stuff is, is bad and it's worthless. Um, and some people have that view today that if you're really following Christ, you'd be in full-time ministry because that's the only worthwhile thing and everything else is kind of not really worthwhile. And the second view is a kind of a moderation of that, which says it's worthwhile if you uh, witness people at work and you earn the money to give it away to the church, that makes it worthwhile. But the substance of the actual work you do, whether you're a farmer or you're in finance, you know, the actual substance is, is still worthless. But use it for God's glory that way. And the third view is that the work itself actually has substance and merit and value in God's eyes. So, that, uh, so that's kind of what we were talking about a little bit last time. Um, and... Um, you know, just to do, go on on that a little bit more, uh, uh, Greg, I think that uh, the contrast here is the kind of the typical reasons the world has to work uh, are to, to make money or to find an identity. Um, and um, in Christianity, it can, be, it can be just totally different than that. If you feel like um, God's grace has come over you and he's uh, you're really saved by his grace, then, um, then you can actually enjoy the substance of your work and not feel like you need to use it to develop your self-identity and you need to do it to find your worth. You need to do it to do anything. There's a quote, uh, this Kim, Tim Keller, you mentioned him earlier, but he has a sermon on this as well. And he quotes Jonathan Edwards. It's an inspiration he always, often draws from. And um, if you give me a minute here, Greg, I'm just going to read this to you. This is just a quote. Uh, it's actually Keller, I think, paraphrasing Jonathan Edwards. So if you follow that, then you get that. So here's what it says. It says, unless you've experienced the grace of God, unless you know that you, you're not saved by your work, unless you know that God embraces you 
because of Jesus's work, then when you go to help the poor or when you go to your job, no matter what you do, as good as it seems to be, you're doing it out of self-interest. You never help the person or do the job out of the sheer joy of the person or job. You're always doing it in order to get something from God. But if you know that God loves you because of what Jesus has done, if you know that God embraces you because of his work, that you're in, that you're accepted. Now, when I move out in the world, I do the work out of sheer joy of pleasing my master and for the sheer joy of the work itself. I don't do things for God in order to get things from him. I do things simply to give joy to his heart because of what he's done for me. And I don't know when, maybe Randy, you know, when Jonathan Edwards lived, it was a couple hundred years ago. I thought these were just brilliant thoughts, brilliant words. Not, uh, not 20th century. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Maybe it was 1800s when Jonathan Edwards lived. Um, but just brilliant. If you, if the grace of this is, it goes back to Greg, your theme, why we're gospel addicts. And the grace of God has overwhelmed you. And you say, Lord, you've given me everything, you know? Um, and now I just want to serve you. I did a loving response out of sheer gratitude, out of sheer gratitude. I'm not earning anything. I'm not building an identity for myself. I don't need it. My identity's in you. You're the one who meets my needs. I'm just, I'm just, you know, uh, doing these things. And that, uh, that frees you to actually substantively enjoy the things, the thing you're doing, your, da- your daily job. So, uh, so that, that's kind of my first reaction, Greg, and I'll, I'll turn the mic over to someone else about that. I want to read that. <laughs> you, and thanks for indulging me guys with that long quote, but I thought that was really brilliant. Most people consider Jonathan Edwards, the founder of the great awakening, the American great awakening. And I think he, as I looked it up, he, he lived in the mid 1700s, died at 1758. Okay. Uh, but many would consider him the greatest American theologian of all time. That, um, yeah, incredible, incredible. And clearly a gospel addict. Right. <laughs> Amen. On the podcast. Amen to that. Hey, do you, in, in this chapter, do you see any verses like that you think um, about like, work and stuff that apply um... well i do and i think the one thing i thought about just as i was reading out loud to go is that in the early church there was a feeling that you know, the way to identify a false teacher you know how you talk about identifying a false prophet if the prophecy don't come, doesn't come true then you know the old testament idea was they pay for it with their life because the prophecy didn't come true and in the new testament church one of the ways you identified a false teacher was that they came and they stayed too long and they asked for money and so there's, and it's part of the precedent Paul talks about here. I wonder if that came from this. He says, I, look, I did the, doing this in verse nine so that you would follow our example. Um, you know, if, if you don't work, you, um, you, the man does not work, neither should he eat, right? And they were, uh, and, and he says, I had a right to do it, right? It's okay for someone in ministry to earn their living from the ministry. That's really okay. He says, trying to set an example for you and just and to work really hard and not be a burden to any of you, right? Um, I thought that was that was really interesting. So it was kind of setting that tone early on. You know, I'm going to uh, earn my own living, not ask you for money. Uh, to kind of just kind of set an example for you. That's good. What do you what do you make of verses 11 and 12? I, I this is kind of interesting. We hear that some of some among you are idle. They are not busy. They are busy bodies. Such people we command and urge in the Lord Jesus Christ to settle down and earn the bread they eat. As for you, brothers, never tire of doing what is right. I just thought it's kind of interesting. Verse 11. Yeah. You hear that some of you are idle. They're not busy. They are busy bodies. 
There's got to be a textbook definition of busybodies. I always thought of that as people who went around just gossiping and just kind of talking about other people and just kind of, you know, there are people in the church that do that. That's the classic, you know, the, the old church lady skit, right? Or something like that. Just someone who's, um, maybe that's unfair to church lady. I shouldn't even say that. But, <laughs> but, but the busybody, I always thought was somebody who's just like, you're not really productive. You're not adding anything. You're not making a contribution either to the community or the church. You're just going around, you know, chatting and talking to people and gossiping. And, and that's not really making, making that kind of contribution. So, um, and this, I love that. I do love verse 12, you know, uh, work in a quiet fashion, eat your own bread, you know, uh, get back to work. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, Jim, have you, you know, you've, you've, uh, I mean, you work a secular job and you have pretty much your whole life. Did you ever struggle with that? Like those different views that you mentioned earlier? Like, did you, do you find yourself wrestling with like, oh man, I should be in Christian ministry or uh, did you, did you, did you wrestle with that at all? You know, thanks. Thanks for asking. I, I, I did, especially early on in my young Christian life, because I had that more of those first view than maybe drift morphing into the second view. So I did to be a little careful as I think about this topic, not to get sound too defensive because I am in a secular profession, right? To sound like I'm self-justifying about what it is. But there's lots of Christian examples of people who came by and who had those first views that the only worthwhile thing is, is ministry. I remember, um, um, a missionary friend we had who just uh, was talk, talking to us saying, you know, I don't know why anyone would not be in missions because missions are at the heart of God. And who doesn't want to be at the heart of God because missions are at the heart of God. And, well, that person was a missionary. And so they thought that that was their view of their life, how they were at the heart of God, but everybody else wasn't. Uh, I remember that uh, story because we uh, had them over and then, and then they said, oh yeah, well, and how's work going for you? And I said, uh, it's fine. It's just fine. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think it was worthwhile. I mean, you already told me you don't think it's worth what I'm doing. It's like a complete waste of time, waste of my life. If I really was at the heart of God, I'd be admissions. So I probably, you know, had that view and then kind of really through uh, uh, Keller's teaching and some of this other study, thinking about it. Um, and maybe the tie in here, verse ch chapters three and two, Greg, is that it has a little bit to do with your eschatology. Because mm -hmm. if you do think that it's going to burn, that this whole, that if you think that, because of the fall of mankind, Satan has won and God took his valuable creation. He's just going to burn it up. And it's not going to, it's like, it's, it's all this stuff around you is worthless. If you think that's the, the end game, uh, then you say, why spend time in farming or finance or making donuts, whatever it is, why spend time doing any of that stuff? And, and, they, and they, the notion is like, no, God did loves you say, Did you say making donuts? Making donuts, canning carrots. Making Make donuts. It is kind of, it, let's be honest, it's kind of hard to justify making donuts as a problem. <laughs> uh, it's actually a side kind of a rabbit hole. I didn't mean like for us to go down. I had a friend who was thinking about starting a business and he was going to start a donut franchise or buy a donut franchise. And he wrestled with that because he thought, I want to make a worthwhile contribution to the world. And am I really making a worthwhile contribution if I'm selling donuts? You know, yeah. um, uh, but, you know, um, but I think whatever you're doing, you're, you are make, if you're making a contribution to the world, you're, you're, you're cultivating the earth the way God wanted us to cultivate the earth. When he's, uh, it's not, the, God loves matter. God loves this. And I think there's a, there's a theological point in here when talking about working with your, you know, um, some versions say, you know, work with your hands, because a lot of other worldviews and religions thought, you know, the, that it was really beneath your dignity to work with your hands, that the high-minded view 
this is a kind of a Greek view, as I understand it at the time, was that the high line of view is work with your mind and working with your hands is really beneath, beneath your dignity. And so they had a real pecking order in the professions. And uh, Paul comes along and says, look, I, you know, I worked my hands when I was with you and I was a preacher and, and um, I want you to go back and work with your hands. And, and it's a real topsy-turvy way of looking at the dignity of work in a world that would have said, wait, the high-minded thing is to be a philosopher in the square um, and uh, not to uh, do that kind of dirty work. And, and, one, and actually uh, Keller, not one commentator, Keller talking about this would say, you know, we have a God who starts off creation with his hands in the dirt making the earth and making the dirt. And God loves matter. He made it because he loves it. And his command to us in the garden before the fall was cultivate the garden. And the command after the fall was cultivate the garden. I still want you to do it. It's going to be filled with thorns and thistles. It's going to be rough. It's going to be tough, but I still want you to do it. And the way we do that is by working and making a contribution to, to society and serving each other. That's a great summary. Uh, I'm glad you, I was, I'm really glad you brought up, uh, back to the beginning that we were working god had made us to work before sin entered the world that he had given us jobs and so work is worthwhile work is meaningful work has purpose i loved having you come and speak to our meetings like when i was leading the college group and um because i realized that you know 98% of the students i was working with were going to go into secular work and I just loved having you come as somebody who follows Jesus and has a secular career. And you always did a great job just kind of explaining that, you know, there is a purpose in work. And um, doesn't Keller talk about how, like, we need investment? Because you're kind of an investment banker, at least you were at, at one point. Yeah. That we're going to need investment bankers in heaven. <laughs> <laughs> well that's that yes maybe, maybe that's a theological stretch who knows but yeah i was an investment banker now i'm just a uh i guess a commercial banker working at a bank but yeah keller's view is that the you know this this world is going to continue and god's going to have a society and he's going to put people to work and, and at one point he said uh so not god's not going to be preachers like me so some, you some of you out there are going to have to retrain me for my job in the next kingdom just an interesting theological point of view of what life in paradise is going to be like. That it's not going to be us sitting in clouds playing harps and singing worship songs. It's going to be working and building a society that you know is led by the Lord. It's a very different view. Um, so um, I would encourage you if you haven't read, look at a book by Randy Alcorn called Heaven, and just it's incredible the amount of work he's done. But he does the same thing, and he says he believes that we'll have that we don't just sit around, that we'll have work that we do every day. And in the scriptures, it talks about people coming in and leaving the holy city and people will be working and, and, and doing things for the Lord. Um, so I found that very interesting. But yeah, yeah. Randy, Alcorn's, Randy Alcorn's book um, on heaven is excellent. I, I, I think Keller quotes that. I, I can't be sure about that, but I've heard that name before, Randy Alcorn. I do want to look that up because... It's uh, it, 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 Keller has a sermon on called culture uh, that is a, a sermon on Isaiah 60. And in Isaiah 60, he talks about a view of the end times. And in that if chapter, we won't go to it now, but there are ships coming from Spain and things coming to Jerusalem and things. There's all kinds of activity that's geographically located. And, it, and, 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 and the view is like, well, this is not on this earth. This is in the next kingdom. And he's talking about a world where there's activity, there's commercial activity, there's uh, culture. There's, there's different cultures that 
are, you know, and this is just a beautiful description of the multicultural uh, uh, body of Christ, where people are going to say, I'm a Christian, but I'm an African Christian, or I'm a European Christian, or I'm an Asian Christian, whatever you are, but you have your culture that doesn't end, it continues on, they had cultural identity in paradise, fascinating. Uh, I wonder, Randy, if some of those views come from that Randy Elkhorn book, I'd love to, I'd love to take a look at that, but it's just a, so, so again, your view of the end times and your view of where this world is going does affect what you do now, that phrase like what you hope in affects how you live today, right? And what do you think is worth doing with your time? Ultimately, what is it that we're looking in Christian service? We're not looking for God or for numbers. We're looking for God to be able to say, well done, well done, good and faithful servant. And so if we're doing what God called us to do, um, you know, I, I, I have this struggle when you do an event and if 20 people come to know Christ, does it mean it was better than if 19 did? Right. And it's like, I, I don't, ultimately, it's, it's up to God when he does with that. So ultimately, what we need to be able to say is I did what God asked and I please the Lord. And so, you know, we're called to be faithful and the results are up to him. And so I agree with you. I, I, I was listening. I'm like, well, yeah, that sounds cool. But ultimately, service to him is just about being obedient to what he's asked and and to um, leave the results to him. Yeah, I, I think you guys, because uh, Randy, you and Greg are full-time Christian ministry. There's all kinds of unique struggles about that. But I think I think the blessing that you can feel, Randy, is that God has already said to you, well done, a good and faithful servant. Because you're going to hear those words based on the completed work of Christ, not on, he won't say, oh, you had 19 and some other guy had 21. That's a little short. Like, <laughs> the well done, the good. A servant in that sentence is Jesus, and it's not you. You're, he's going to say, Randy, well done, a good and faithful servant, because of what? Jesus did, and you're completely 100% justified in my eyes. And 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 you say, in light of that, um, I want to do this, whether two people come or 19 or 1900 or 10,000. It's all I'm faithful in the process. Lord, you you bless it. Your Spirit blesses it. Whatever you want to do with it, you know. But and when you take that view, and you feel like I'm not, it's not dependent on me, and it's I'm not justifying my life because you know 19 people came or 21 people came. It's just it's just Him. Right. So it frees you to serve him for all the right reasons. But it probably is a lifetime of working on that attitude to get the attitude right, I imagine. So <laughs> why is it why is it uh, that we serving others is so fulfilling? It's because it's in the very heart of God. The father serves the son. The son serves the spirit, the spirit. They, they defer to each other. The, and that's the, the power of the Trinity is so crucial. You know, when I was a young Christian, I used to think, oh, I don't understand the Trinity. And I really don't really care too much about it to try to understand it. But I think the older I grow, the more I grow in my Christian life, the more I see how, first of all, God is a community, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So we are made for relationships. Relationships are what really matter. Nobody on their deathbed says, I wish I would have spent more time working in my office, uh, you know, on my books or something like that. Like they want to be, it's all about relationships. But then there's also th that whole idea about like serving. Why is service so fulfilling? It's because it's in the very heart of God. That's what God is. God is all about serving, giving his life, you know, sending his son. 
I, I think that's pretty interesting. Felix, do you want to say something? In retrospect, I was thinking about this. For a very long time, I had been thanking you for, you know, bringing me to Christ. And every time, you know, I thank you, I've never seen an ounce of pride in you. And I think one of the reasons for that is that you feel that you didn't do it for yourself or you didn't do it at all. It was actually God who did it. You were just, you know, that resource that he kind of used. And I think now I... I kind of understand that, you know, what, what it means, because as basic human beings, it kind of does feel nice to get that attention and, you know, to talk to yourself and, you know, have that satisfaction to do something nice. And I think that is why we are uh, such selfish beings, because we want to feel good about ourselves in so many different ways. And I think doing good stuff, like all these Hollywood actors do it, they do it so that, you know, they can, feel good about themselves but you need you need to have your you need to have your heart in the right place and that can only happen uh, if you have real faith in god otherwise it will not happen you know if you're a hypocrite even if you're trying to you know pretend to be a good christian but you know if deep down inside you're thinking like oh i'm such an amazing person but you're not so i think that kind of kind of ties in everything having your fulfilling faith in Christ how how strong you are in your faith with Christ and I've seen you because like you know at, at a certain point in my life I I kind of felt like you know what if Greg would you know thinks of me as a trophy you know he he wants to portray me like oh look this is what this is what I've done and then after observing, I realized that that it is not the case. So I think in, in that regard, it's very important to have your heart in the right place because if you don't have that in the right place, you will always you know, end up doing stuff for yourself instead of doing it for, for his glory. Amen. I appreciate that. And I, I have never, ever thought of you anything <laughs> like that. Uh, I appreciate but But I can see where you, a person would think that way because that's kind of like the secular mindset is, you know, Christians just want to get converts and guys, just, guys in ministry just want to build their ministry and get more, get bigger and bigger and bigger, uh, be more and more successful. But really, I just want to serve the Lord. I just want to be faithful. I mean, every day I'm like, God, who do you want me to talk to? You know, I was on campus the other day and my expectation was I was going to meet about 25 international students and have conversations with them. I ended up spending my like four hours with one person. Mm -hmm. And it was because I, I had to help this person get their keys, uh, get their ID, get to get their, they, they show that they, they, I saw them in the student center with all their luggage. And I was like, oh my gosh, you're in the student center with all your luggage. And you're, I know you don't live in the student center. You've got to get that luggage to your dorm. And so I went over and I just said, hey, how can I help you? And I ended up spending four hours with that person. And I drove home that day thinking, I guess that was what I was supposed to do that day is just spend the yeah. time with that one person. I don't know if I'll ever see that person again or not. You know, yeah, but just like, you know, when you when you met me that day, God planned only that for you. Exactly. I mean, it was it it's just 
divine appointments. And um, so I really appreciate you you sharing that, Ali. Let's bring this bring this to a close and make some final comments here. Um, any Randy, any any final comments you want to make? Just kind of wrapping this up. No, no, nothing really. I just think it, it, this is very applicable for today, and and um, and just this idea of focusing on Christ's return and, and keeping, you know, a disciplined life that uh, we rely on Christ. So, yeah, thanks. Jim, any final comments? I want to reflect on the conversation that you and Felix were just having, talking about that, that that trophy idea, because when you, I've seen you do this kind of ministry for a while, Greg, and I've seen the kind of connection you have with people, you're pouring yourself out to people and you're just, and you have people kind of attracted to that. And I just, uh, you know, and, and Randy, I, I don't know you as well as I know Greg, I'm sure your ministry is the same way, but I mean, Greg, when I watch you do that, that kind of connection you have to people, because they know you have this genuine feeling. And I was thinking of some of the theme from first and second Thessalonians together as a whole, because in first Thessalonians, Paul talks about more about the personal connection he had with people. And I'm looking at, this is in first Thessalonians two verse eight. He says, having so fond an affection for you, we were well pleased to impart to you, not only the gospel of God, but also our own lives because you have become very dear to us. And then he talks later. I was just trying to find that. He says, who is our crown? Who's our reward? Isn't it you? So that you, uh, Felix, when you mentioned the idea of the trophy, the biblical thing that Paul was talking about, I said, you know what? You know, people talk about what is my reward in heaven? I'm going to work for a reward in heaven. I'm going to get my crown in heaven and I'm going to get some kind of big blessing in heaven because all this wonderful Christian work I did. And what Paul talks about, and Greg and I have talked, Greg, we talked about this a lot. The reward you're going to get is that, you know, the people that you've affected and impacted and influenced for Christ are going to be there with you in eternity. And we're going to sit there and, 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 and Felix, you're going to look at Greg and say, isn't Jesus wonderful? And Greg say, I know, isn't he incredible? I know I can't get, it's so great. It's, thank you. So, and, and so Greg's going to say, you know, what my reward is you're here with me and we're, we're worshiping him together. And we're just spending eternity together in his presence and his glory. You're that reward and that crown because of the fond affection he's kind of built for this. So anyway, I want to tie that in with the theme of first and this, their conversation with this theme that I think was carrying through first and second Thessalonians. So. Thanks, Greg. Yeah, I think that kind of, that's how Greg kind of gained my trust over over the years. Now we've been friends for a while now. And, you know, when, you, when you're new to, to the faith, you kind of have a lot of unanswered questions in your head. And I think Greg kind of helped me solve that puzzle throughout my journey. So he, he also gained a lot of trust. Uh, while doing that, you know, I, I, I figured out that, you know, Greg, that, you know, Greg is not that kind of a person, but it, it, it takes, it takes a certain amount of time. And, you know, now our bond is on a different level because of that. And then, you know, he always talks about uh, sharing that joy that he has. And now I realize it. And now that he does it for other people, I, I can see it that why he does it. He wants other people to have the same joy that, you know, I have uh, it or he has it. And I think that's what it is all about. That That's why you do it. And, you know, it's kind of like planting a seed. He planted a seed with me. I am the seed. And now what I want to do next, I've been thinking about starting my own little ministry over here at the university. Because I've been like meeting people from all different cultures. And I've been like talking to them, making like friends with them so that, you know, one day I can witness to them 
and share my story with them. So it's like planting that seed with me. And then, you know, I go ahead and start my own ministry and, you know, share the word, spread the word. So I think that's how it, that's how it, it is supposed to happen. That's spiritual multiplication, right? That's Amen. And then Randy can get involved with that because Randy, Randy and I might come down and visit you then because uh, we would love to help you start a, uh, a, uh, a ministry where you're at. Um, yeah. Hey, I used to, you know, when I first started out, I used to say that ministry is making friends for eternity. That's that's kind of how I viewed ministry. Is ministry is making friends for eternity. I'm just trying to make friends that are going to last forever. And then I always thought about discipleship as friendship with a vision. It's friendship with a vision. It's having a vision for what that person could be to be the best version of themselves because of Jesus. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Gospel Addict Podcast. Feel free to contact us via email at gospeladdictpodcast at gmail.com. Stay tuned for our next episode. And remember, on your worst days, you're never beyond the reach of God's grace. And on your best days, you're never beyond the need of God's grace. See you next time.
呃